0: Welcome to The backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf. Professor, top of the morning to you. Where is that beautiful backdrop you have? I where am, do we find you?
1: Well, I'm going to start by just apologizing to the audience with the audio quality today. I am in the convention center in Washington, D.C., you know, just down the road from Capitol Hill where all the movers and shakers are. <laughs> um, trying to brush my elbows and shoulders with some, some people here in D.C. to, you know, work on math education. No, we got 6,000 teachers from across the nation here. I think it's the number this year. Um, so I'm up here recruiting doc students, you know, working down on Capitol Hill to get more funding towards education, doing all the important stuff this week.
0: What do what do math lobbyists look like? Like, do they all the great minds just storming the Capitol building? Is it like you guys have your abacuses and calculators and you're demanding more fund funding? How's that all work?
1: I mean, I think the, the long-standing joke on that is we actually don't know what we look like because we just stare at our feet the whole time, right? So we look at each other's feet, and that's what we do. Um, <laughs> no, I, so here's a random, so one of the speakers at this conference, um, we, you know, we can poke at math people all we want, but did you ever watch Wonder Years? I know, I know our guests, I bet, watch Wonder Years that we're going to have on today, but did you, or was that too, uh, too before your time?
0: No, absolutely Wonder Years. I mean, I had older siblings who kind of forced it upon me, but, uh, but yeah, I I was a big Wonder Years guy.
1: Did you, did you ever have a crush on Winnie?
0: Winnie? Winnie Cooper? She's a legend. Yes. Yeah. Well,
1: she's here giving talks. Um, she's a mathematician now. So she's actually. See, I'm I'm hanging out
0: at the wrong gin joints, man. Winnie Cooper is at the the, Math Ed Conference. Oh, that's the place. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll be seeing her in like an hour from now. Um. No, but like to be to be now going a little bit more serious mode yeah she's actually one of the bigger representatives for the mathematics community um you know after her acting days she's kind of she's transitioned to a mathematician and she does a lot of advocacy on behalf of mathematicians and teachers to get them the support they need so they can you know shape the lives uh, of
0: the youth in uh important ways well keep keep fighting the good fight my friend that's uh and, and and you know it's dedication to this podcast too that you are are ch- chiming in from the corner of a conference center. So thank you for that. The audience thanks you for that, Kevin. Your your love and support of the backdrop. Uh and actually our our guest today, who uh he might not be that far from you. We have be- Brendan Porath coming on the show uh of the fried egg of the shotgun start. So I'm excited to chat with him. But you could have done this in person. Maybe he could have popped over to the the conference center. He wasn't that far down the road, I don't think. Yeah,
1: we're going back and forth a little bit, but, you know, he's a little bit away from D.C., and, you know, the one thing you have is D.C. traffic, so getting around isn't exactly easy.
0: Touche, touche. Well, I, uh, I'm i jazzed to talk to Brendan today, to talk to you. It's been a little while since you and I caught up, uh, so so I was looking forward to that. I'm also excited because I get to play some golf today, Kevin. I get to get out there and swing the sticks. We aren't, uh, how do I say it, in the north up here in the great state of Ohio, um, the, days, the days are dwindling, man. We don't have many good golf days left. And, and today gets into the 70s, and it's like prime fall colors. It is just absolutely gorgeous oh. out there. Smells like football in the air, but golf is still uh, afoot. And, and I called around. Three days ago, you know, looking uh-huh. at the forecast. And no, and it's just god-awful after this. It's just rain and cold and sleet. And, and so it, it, it's that feeling of finality. Like, if you're going to play golf outside, this might be your last shot. And I called around on Wednesday, just, you know, public golfer here, just looking to make some tee times. I'm texting some new club guys, seeing if we can get together. Booked. Solid. Not one thing after 1 p.m. on, on a Friday afternoon for the final day of – uh of, of golf, but I did you know, this is where your country club friends come in mind. This is where the hosting honor members of New club are, are the champs. so we're headed out to the great Firestone Country Club playing uh, a championship design from Tom Fazio of the West course. Oh. so that's my afternoon, man. So I'm pretty pumped.
1: We're going to restrict our criticism of the West Course for a later episode because we do really want to get to our guests sooner than later. And, and I do have a fact of the day coming up. But I got to ask you: Let's go leaf roll. If we really, if we where, really
0: where, wanted to shit on Firestone, we would have invited Andy back. That's to the podcast, right. That's and not right. Brendan. I feel like Brendan's going to have Northeast Ohio pride when it comes to courses. Here. As,
1: as long as Andy wouldn't and touch the North Course, you know that's the sacred one for me. But um, where are you at in the leaf roll
0: in fall golf? Do you, do you follow the leaf roll? Ooh. You're a purist. I followed the leaf rule. I, yeah, I'm a purist, but I also like, uh, uh, you know, the lateral drop r- law. Like that's, if you don't find it, I'm not a free drop leaf rule guy, but I am uh, no one's going back to the T nobody's routine. If it's, you know, you go, you find that borderline of where that ball's lost. Everyone agree. Yeah. It's about there. Take your penalty and, and, and let it rip. That's my, my position. What about you?
1: Yeah. I'm I'm probably even a little softer on that where like if you're in the middle of a tree, sure, penalty. But if it's like a yard off the fairway, because the Scots didn't have to deal with this with the original rules of golf, right? They didn't have oak trees shedding, you know, two inches of leaves that the ball nestles under. Um, so I think I'm even a little softer if it's just off the fairway, you know, and it's kind of obvious where it was. But yeah, I mean, you ride right around the trees. I'm not giving you a free drop because of some supposed leaf thing. That's how guys end up dropping by the green, right? And they're just like, oh, my ball was all the way up here. Um, so I think that's where I'm at on it doesn't
0: doesn't feel right do you know what i actually uh do going into i, I don't play I, I need to just play more in general but fall golf haven't played a lot but this was like my old go-to is i take all the scuffed up balls from the year that are in a bucket oh and yeah i go play with those just at the the chance that you know i hit a pile of leaves and, and i'm okay leaving the scuffers out there but i'm not gonna take a you know fresh pro v and, and and lose that in october no chance that's right that's right um Well, I, we, let's get to our guy. Let's get to Brendan. Uh, it's passed around the Northeast Ohio love. I I got a feeling we're going to be chatting a little bit and and apologies in advance to our, our, our audience. We might go a little off the rails with Cleveland sports, but we'll, we'll bring it all back. He's a big name in the game of golf. So we'll bring it all back to this, this game of golf, but we got to touch on that a little bit. Um,
1: there is no Mike go off the rails. We're going off the rails on Cleveland Sports. We got a lot to talk about. And we have one of the best, most knowledgeable voices on that. He spends all his time in golf now, too. So we gotta get him rifting on other sports. I mean, I know him and Andy, it's kind of a golf pod, but not always a golf pod. But we, we gotta give him the freedom to roam around that we know his boss over at the fried eggs not giving him
0: <laughs> before we before we get I hear a chuckle from the man himself. <laughs> before we get to him, uh a big thanks to are our uh, sponsor and partner of this year's Founders' Cup, uh, True Temper Golf, the number one shaft in golf. Uh, they were down with us at the Founders' Cup last week, Kevin, and uh, I guess I have to work in a little shout-out to Team Chicago. I heard. Showing up, dominating. Holy,
1: holy what, shit. What it happened What happened to my guys over there? What happened? I just – I'm beat up, and, so and I wasn't even everything there.
0: Everything seemed – it was after uh, the, the Chapman matches day one, it seemed like the same old rigmarole. The, the Atlanta guys had the swagger. They were super confident. National, international members were, were right there with them. And But it was two and a half, two and a half. The, the, there was a big point pulled out at the very end to even it up after the first day. And then Chicago swept the four ball at uh, Payne's Valley. And, and I got to witness all that and see the comeback. They were actually down in four of the five matches on the front nine, and they came back to sweep it all. It was legendary. And here, I, I gotta work in one more thing before we get to our guests. Every time someone gets beat, especially in match play, I've noticed this, there's immediate call for handicap reviews. Everybody's gr— you know, bitching and moaning about somebody's hand. If you get beat five and six in a net match, just suck it up and and lose like a you know it it just drives me nuts man i everybody was was asking me about certain handicaps and i'm looking at them i looked at everything prior like this is not your amateur run event we do handicap reviews it was all above board and in in atlanta's defense in national members defense the same exact thing happened a few years ago when they wiped the table with chicago so i i think uh uh it's just like hey man like handicaps are handicaps. This is the way it works. I understand when there's huge outliers, you got to identify those. But like you you opened up with three straight triples. Like you didn't win the match. What are you asking for here? It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Anyways, anyways. Well, I'm going to have to come Let's back next to year show. to help us out. So. Uh, there you go. The, the leadership is in need. There might be a task force. Uh, Thank you to True Temper. Thank you to everybody that joined us at the Founders Cup. That was a blast. It really was. It was one of the best Founders Cups I've been a part of, and uh, it it was fun to be with everybody. Let's get to the show. Brendan Porath, welcome to The Bag Drop.
2: Matt, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you guys for inviting me. A longtime kind of follower, admirer, listener of your guys' work and new club. Um, i think it's hopefully mutual there but i really appreciate you guys having me on
0: hundred percent mutual we we've <laughs> had your buddy andy on uh a few times probably on on one hand still but he he's kind of a staple that comes whenever I can pin him down um <laughs> but we needed to have you know the pro the pro journalist of this friday operation on so thanks for for being here oh it's 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 My pleasure. I mean,
2: a pro journalist is probably too strong a term there. We're kind of all in this modern era, just floating about trying to figure out labels and terms and titles. Uh, I've never been big on, but, you know, just hopefully doing something that's moderately entertaining, important occasionally, resonates occasionally. But pro journalist, I I would probably shy away
0: from. Well, it's all right. So I'm going to I'm going to kind of get nostalgic here and kind of go go in the time machine. I think I was introduced to you from a golf perspective from Andy, like the the, the shotgun okay. star, and and I sure. knew Andy in twenty sixteen. I started I was early newsletter guy, and and obviously loved the podcast. Then your name like rung a bell, and you said Cleveland on the show. You started mentioning you were a northeast Ohio guy. Is your first work that I would have read? Is it waiting for next year?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is yeah. that yeah. am I right on that?
2: Yeah, that's that's uh, you go way back, man. This is like I was in law school and just kind of screwing around with like extra writing and that was like that was was like internet 1.0 or 2.0 blog era probably 1.0 and yeah just did some cleveland sports blogging on the weekends
0: it 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 was one of those moments where i was like no that can't be the same guy (laughs) like i remember reading i remember reading that stuff you know we're all the same age i'm 38 i think we're all around the same age and and kevin you might even been in these circles of just like throwing articles around and it it felt so different waiting for next year was it and I I don't know when it fell off like my my bookmark you know I still don't have a bookmark today but that was like always you know going into the weekend like I would open waiting for next year I, I'd li- uh, Cavs the blog was a big one for me too sure yep. but uh, but waiting for next year man that's so awesome I had to confirm that today that you were the the one of the one were you one of the original writers for that. No,
2: nah, not original, but pretty, really early, really, really early. Just like doing weekend blog, uh, got to be like oh seven to something like oh nine somewhere in that range. But yes, I, I was in there. I was doing that. That's that crazy. was
1: the uh, it was the first awesome. sports blog that I actually followed. Um, I'd moved to Arizona at the time, and it was the uh, it was my number one bookmark.
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy how the internet's evolved, right? I don't want to be too nostalgic and say it was better back then and do that whole deal, but it's very, very different. Like with just sort of the independent blog era that I would say probably no longer really exists except for a handful of things. It's just like kind of why, you know, Fried Egg, you guys, you know, I think there's still a really good corner to stay independent like that um doing different you know not part of a larger network right like everything's networked out right, these days and you're there's some sort of chain of command and overlord that you know trickles up somewhere but you know that that early blog era really was devoid of that and kind of better for it so I
1: mean, it seems like that's the growth era we're yeah, in uh, journalism right like you build something and as, as soon as you become popular you get acquired and then you're at beholden to the people
0: above you
2: Right, right. Everybody's trying to consolidate or, or make some sort of network or conglomeration. So,
0: But for the last, like, you know, eight years, it feels like 10 years probably. It feels like maybe in the golf space, but are we in, like, the next golden era? If that was, you know, Internet 1.0 and the blog space was one golden era, are we in, like, a second one? Because I feel like the Friday, no laying up some of the others like it wouldn't exist if we weren't in some type of age right i mean it, it doesn't seem feasible amongst the the big boys
2: yes i think so i i i would say you know that vacuum was filled i uh probably like 2015 16 i would say it was like the opportunity of where some of like a friday golf or 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 no up were able to really sort of take off um i It's interesting that, like, I I think they probably have more of an advantage right now than the big boys. I think the big boys have a bunch of external pressures and, and, uh, certainly numbers to hit and masters to serve with rights deals or uh, relationships with certain organizations. I think there's like, I think there's a greater advantage to being smaller right now, quite honestly. I, I obviously say that being as someone who's kind of always been on the startup or smaller or outsider realm. Never. I, you know, I've done some stuff for the New York times and golf channel and places like that, but never, never really wanted to be a like full-time deal there or employee, or I don't even know if I had the opportunity, but you know what I mean? going to a big place. Um, I think there's a great advantage, quite honestly, in being, being smaller and uh, kind of being able to pick and choose what you want to do, who you want to work with. And and, uh, I don't, I think like a lot of sort of the big boys are are constrained and pressured by doing that. So yeah, maybe it is a golden arrow or an opportunity for another golden arrow.
0: We'll, we'll jump around a bunch if, if that's all right, Brandon, but like since we're on the topic of, of uh, yeah, journalism, media, you have always been kind of a a startup E guy, right? SB nation. It felt like you, Mm -hmm. you, you went, you were there. That was early on. Um, the but you did get this exposure to uh New York Times you were published in and and uh the Golf Channel did, did were those moments that you sent to your like mom and dad of just like hey I know you don't understand exactly what I'm doing but like hey I'm on the Golf Channel hey I was in the, <laughs> I was in the New York Times dad like come on <laughs> are those are yeah. those validation moments more than they are like your own personal moment
2: um sh- a little bit, for sure. There's there's always this, like, it's hard to explain, like, what you do or why you do it to, like, uh, maybe people who aren't on the internet or aren't following golf closely. And But you say New York Times or you say I was on the Golf Channel and it's more easily understood. For me, though, like, like this isn't, like, BS. Like, working at SB Nation was way more important to me and way more rewarding and instructive and educational, like the the roster of talent there was absurd. And obviously it speaks to maybe the management of that, that it no longer exists in the form that it did. But you look at the people who are there and the ways they influence the internet or other media companies, whether it's ESPN or Down to a blog now, it's crazy, and I was very, very, very lucky to sort of sneak in as as sort of new media came on and and be a part of that team. So, but can I explain that to the neighbor and what the value of that and like the prominence for in my mind the prominence of being able to attach myself to that team to the neighbor or my mom or dad or a different kind of no, it's probably easier just say. I uh, have an article in the New York Times tomorrow, or I will be on Golf Channel on Monday, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah that that resonates a little bit more with them. Um, I guess it's validation, for sure, in a way, to be able to communicate. It's easier to, to, to explain it and communicate it that way, but for me, and it's not BS, like... um it's, it's easier to tell the parents on my kid's like soccer game that, you know, I worked for golf digest than the fried egg golf. Like that doesn't, but like, you know, hundred times out of a hundred, I'd, I'd want the position at Friday golf, right? Personally and understanding the business and understanding the market and understanding like the work that I do and can do, I would want to work with, with the fried Egg golf. Um, not no disrespect to golf digest, but because they have such a strong brand, it's easier to communicate that, but it's just a different kind of deal, right? We understand it because we're in it, but it's, it's interesting the way the outside world. And I think we're getting to a point I'm rambling here. We're getting to a point, hopefully where it will be easier to say, I think certainly no laying up enjoys that, you know, it's pretty widely, it should be recognized or understood on the soccer sideline, the the soccer sideline test. And so I think we're getting to that point where some of these smaller guys will have that that broader appeal and recognition.
1: Brandon, you always obviously think very fondly of your time at SB Nation. Who who were the most maybe fun or informative people that you worked with during your time there?
2: I mean <laughs> One of the best calls I ever got to take was from Augusta National asking me, what was Spencer Hall's deal? Because I got I got I mean, it was like I got us a master's credit. I like worked very hard to build this entire golf coverage, golf brand, golf, uh, not brand, golf coverage, golf outlet, like corner of SB Nation. We can do golf. And it ended up doing great. It was awesome. Traffic was great. And like we thought it was good stuff we were able to do. And we got to a point where we were able to get a credential to Augusta National for the Masters Tournament. And I mean, I was like, yes, this is that felt like validation, right? It's like, you know, whatever. It's not going to change who we are, voice or anything. But to say we have enough of a place in coverage of the professional game that we can go to the Masters Tournament was a little bit of a validation. Like, who are we going to send? Oh, we send our best and brightest and quirkiest and, and sort of a, an animating voice of SBNH. We send uh, Spencer. And, uh, you know, he wrote he wrote a great article. He wrote, You know, not a golf mind at all, but he was research, researching Alistair McKenzie. Think about Spencer and the way he works. He's looking into Alistair McKenzie and his theories of camouflage and bunkering and how that works. And so that's not his, nat- you know, one of those brilliant... You know, Bomani Jones calls him the greatest college football writer ever. not not alive. Now he's saying ever. So a brilliant, brilliant dude. And but he doesn't know golf. doesn't really want to know golf, but he could, will be able to write maybe something brilliant based off maybe that lack of knowledge, quite honestly, dropping in. And it was great. But the title was a little rough for Augusta National's you know, tastes. It was something like, fake wonderland National nationals i can't remember the title It's like some sort of fake wonderland right but of course below it was like four thousand words that were complimentary critical like brilliant and so we we did not get our credential for another couple of years based off that story but long story short is like spencer was one of those people and i didn't get to go back i didn't go to like i didn't get to use the credential for another year or two i did eventually get back but uh that, like, I didn't care. I was working with Spencer Hall. Like, it was it was a brilliant, and, and his whole cohort, that, like, crazy ship of college football corner was was awesome. We had Tom Ziller doing NBA. Brian Floyd was, like, a mentor for me who understood content, internet content, probably better than anyone um, in, in terms of what, you know. And quite honestly, that understanding was, like, just do whatever you want, man. Like, obviously, keep it classy, keep it tasteful, kind of but do what you think is interesting and that will appeal. And so Brian was a huge mentor for me and still is in kind of kind of operating in the space. It was just really like an amazing, amazing early team that is flourishing in like a million different places and really kind of control uh, so many levers in sports media now in a bunch of different places. Does Does your
0: uh let's talk about the fried egg a little bit and just your uh relationship and growth there i mean does does it is there some similarities to that that jump and that experience at at sb nation where it's like a small team and you know you're you're kind of running and gunning this this midfit new new crew in golf media and how how did it kind of come to be that you took on the full-time position like is did Andy have to woo you? I know the podcast kind of preceded you joining. Was it a tougher sell to join to start the podcast, or was it a tougher sell to actually, you know, quit your job and, and go do uh Friday full time? Uh,
2: it was, I took a while to go over it. Like, I really appreciated the shotgun start being um sort of my deal and Andy's deal. We're two coming to it independently and separate. Um, it took a while, and then obviously, I. I what took a buyout at SB Nation during the pandemic? Worked for Golf Digest uh, after that, and you know, Andy and I get along well. We get along great. Um, like what you hear on the podcast is a lot of what we do on a phone call, right? And that's like where it started, and and where how, why it works. Um, so yeah, I do consider it a, like a great privilege. It's I don't SB Nation was a much bigger sort of team and and Zoom or Slack room or whatever you had going on with the several dozen people but um it feels similar in a way like you have a collection of what i would call like digital natives not to use a buzzword but people who didn't come up you know writing for a newspaper or whatever they, they grew came up trying to figure out how to cover this game on the internet right whether that's an instagram reel or a blog post or a newsletter or a segment whatever it is like garrett Morrison is brilliant, brilliant guy. Went to Yale and Northwestern and we don't need to like throw credentials around, but he doesn't, he doesn't throw those himself. Right. And he's a brilliant writer and almost intimidating in that way, but also diehard architectural like architecture nerd, right? History, like I consider myself fortunate to be in the same slack room as him. Andy, obviously, I don't even know if he needs any further like elaboration we understand he's a brilliant mind and a sort of uh, uh i don't know he, he's like the world's biggest idiot on some things and then just a brilliant on most of the important ones right the architecture running the business keeping us all that you know kind of you know enthused about what we're doing um Cameron us who's on our team i don't want to just go on and on but Cameron won the freaking Lido contest three times he's not allowed to enter it anymore because he, they just capped him off because he would just keep winning he won it three times no one he doesn't want anyone to know that he just wants what, to like what's make the lido cool.
0: contest i actually it's, don't know what it is
2: i mean kevin may be able to elaborate but it's like you you draw and design a golf hole it's a golf mm-hmm. contest a uh, golf drawing contest right you Got design and you submit it to people of great renown who are judges and he won it like as a youngster, like his first time, he's just kind of screwing around, drawing golf holes and he won it pretty early. And then he won it a couple more times. It's kind of like just a thing he just wants to do. I don't even think he submitted it every year. He's like, Oh, I guess I'll do that. It's so one it three times, like a dude who understands hes a fabulous drawer, uh, artist, illustrator, and then also understands golf course architecture, but he doesn't want anyone to know that he just wants to make cool videos and like cool, like, brilliant dude so i do consider myself like and will obviously like keeps us all organized great newsletter writer um kind of feel fortunate to be able to help someone who's younger or try to work with someone who's younger so yeah i don't know it's just like a great team and it does feel like when you talk about that sort of analogy like just kind of fortunate to be in those slack rooms being able to like push forward and i i this is kind of cheesy, but I, I got so deep into The Bear, the the restaurant movie this summer on FX. And, right with you, dude. <laughs> Love it. Uh, like, actually, Best the chef. last two... Yeah, the last two summers. And I don't know, I just... I keep trying to think of it uh, as, like, the restaurant scene. Some of those restaurants scenes. You have, like, the maitre d'. You have, like, the head chef, the sous chef, the, the pastry chef. And just how that operates right and like how and how the speed and sort of camaraderie and cohesion you need um i don't know i just came came away from that feeling really like inspired about the team i, I i'm not really one who's easily moved or inspired about a lot of stuff and we'll probably find most things treacly or, or bs but it just had me thinking a lot about how we do things at fried egg or should try to do things is like man let's just like really whatever ends up the restaurant the final product right whatever the whole thing that this final product is amazing but all the little things the different roles that are moving behind the scenes i i try to keep trying to think of it through the prism of what we're trying to do at friday golf and i don't know that that's where i've been i just feel like really lucky to be in that kitchen so to speak
0: i'm uh that is so cool that show's awesome Go ahead, go. Yeah, the wife
1: and I just recently watched Newsroom, and I'm getting Newsroom vibes too, not only in terms of all the moving pieces, <laughs> but also, I mean, I think you can make parallels with what you all are trying to do. I mean, the blog world in general and journalism and just trying to maintain some standard of quality work in a world that promotes growth through views, right? There's a tension there. There's a balance that has to be maintained.
2: Yeah, completely. Um, and Like the beauty of what we have is uh, we like those big boys I talked about. There isn't a ton of external pressure to you have to write about the tea times for the RSM classic because an advertiser needs this many hits or, or web traffic or the new like, of course, we want the newsletter to have more subscribers and the YouTube page to have watch people, you know, more people to watch those videos like, yeah, but we don't have a massive pressure on us. Um, to hit certain quotas or to to cover anything in particular, right? I mean, it's just like let's get some like good people and smart people in a room and like do what we want to do. And it's like a and that's kind of where I came from with SB Nation. It feels like where we're at with Fried Egg Golf, and like it's a it's it's a privileged place to be. I don't take it for granted, even if it's harder to maybe explain to others who you are who you who you are where you work and what you do than it is saying if you work at golf channel it's harder to explain it but man it's it's a privileged place to be just being able to just work with brilliant people and do what you want to do without a ton of external pressures
0: we're we're it, it really it, what you just described about the team and the environment and the comparisons of bear it, it really resonates and i i you know, it's been a while since I'd been to one of your guys' events, which are are really well done, especially under Will Knight. Like, I got to give him a shout, because I went to Andy's first event way back when at Lasonia. It was run a little <laughs> bit tighter <laughs> at Canton Brookside, my my most recent Friday experience. <laughs> but I, I just – I have to just commend, like, the, that that team, that community, that um, – the way you guys go about it, it, it. We're just massive supporters, and I know a lot of our listeners are too. I mean, it's in that kind of same arena – uh, even even to the point where, you know, I told Andy this, I, I don't know if new club really would have gotten going. Uh, I was doing it part time when I had yeah. met Andy and we we had talked and and he was one, everyone was telling me, you know, it's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. A club without real estate doesn't really work in, in the U S and, and Andy was like one of the only voices that kind of said, I think it's a good idea. I think it does work. And, and, and I just saw him. I'm like, I don't think he's crazy. Like he seems kind of smart, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and so anyways, I just think that, that, that ecosystem of golf of true golf fans, like, you know, I don't know if it's diehard or bonafide or whatever word you want to use, but you guys were one of the, the, the few voices that started talking about the game in the, in the shit I was thinking about. And I wasn't really vocalizing. And when you started, you know, you and Andy going back and forth and vocalizing some of the nuances, whether they be super silly or they be, you know, architecturally focused or like this stuff. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm debating. That's what I'm thinking about when I'm either watching this stuff or when I'm playing the game. And, and I just thought it was so much more authentic. It's so much more, uh, more fun. It's not a a pretentious way. And and you guys have also opened up the door. I think uh, I'll use the architecture example where it's like architecture for everybody. It used to be just for, you know, the, the, in, in America, at least the most elite ha- had the, the privilege of discussing what, what golf course architecture was. And, and a lot of that has to do with the private golf system in our country, but, but you guys kind of made it a bit more accessible and continue to with, you know, incredible reels and incredible things that go out to everybody. And I know I share those amongst my buddies and amongst new club members. Like we're always, you know, um, chirping about the places that you guys are talking about. So I, I it, there's just a, it's a, it's a great spirit to what you guys are doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're ideally doing stuff we want to do, right? I mean, not because the 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 advertisers requested it or the the outside interest. And I think that's that spurs the growth and like the greater interest because like people can tell this is something we want to do. This is a course we want to cover. This is a place we think is cool. This is a story we think uh, is demands scrutiny or or further interest in professional golf. Like, oh, there's this big you know, debate as we talk here on whatever, October 27th, about the golf.com course rankings and like the rankings and whatever they went into those, right. You know, there's some brilliant people. I, I think some of it, Garrett wrote beautifully about it for the newsletter today. It's probably being overdone on a bunch of different sides. And, and but like the rankings are born out of like a business case, right? They sell, they, there's a great interest in them. There's a lot of clicks and there's advertise like, that that's what do we really think cypress point is better than augusta national because of this strict like ranking criteria no i mean they're both great golf courses it wins in some minds on on this edge and it wins and this one wins for other reasons and uh, like they're just both great they're not 1 2 or 2 3 whatever and i like we are not Confined to have to do a rankings. Like, we understand that's a privilege, like a nice place to be. We're, we want to grow, but if it means we got to do rankings because some advertiser will pay us a bunch of money and we know a a billion people would click on it, like that, we don't have to do that. We don't have to serve that master. And so, what ends up happening for us, and it's a privileged place to be, is like, we'll just go do cool stuff about a cool place we want to do, and we have the freedom to like, hey, you know, this place is stuffy as hell and you're never going to get on it, but it's cool for this reason. And it's more important that maybe we shine a light on uh, these five great public courses or hold some of these resorts to account for like the money they're charging people or that, that you know, it, is, is only good public golf going to be uh, kind of consolidated under these larger resort management companies? Like like we have the ability to just cover, cover golf courses for what they are, without having to worry about sort of sort of outside uh, motivations.
1: I gotta ask you to keep uh, Canton Brookside off the Friday because it's getting too popular now, and we need we need uh, we need to make sure I can get a tea time when I come back to it. But uh,
0: on that note, Brent, like you talk so eloquently <laughs> you about. Blew up your spot, Professor.
1: Professor I was know, early on that uh, block. Like I'm disappointed. <laughs> Too many people are going to be playing there now. Um, but anyways, you speak so elo- eloquently about <laughs> golf, Brendan. I think if anybody chimed in to Shotgun start or the Friday Egg now, they just take you as a golf person that's always been in golf media. But obviously, you've been well-versed across multiple sports in terms of journalism, writing about it and talking about it. Uh, but now you've gravitated towards primarily being golf-focused. Was there ever a crossroads when you're like, you know what, I'm going down the golf ro- road now, but man, I would love to go basketball. I'd love to go football. Like, was that ever a decision? Or did you just sort of stumble into being primarily a golf voice? Uh, and then all of a sudden you look back and like, wow, now I'm, the, I'm primarily a golf voice.
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought I would. I, that's a good question. Yeah, I did not, did not set out to be just a golf media person or a golf journalist or whatever term you want to use. Uh, i just wanted to be in sports media i felt like i saw like the transitioning industry from print to digital and trying to figure out how i could get involved um i thought i I would write more about uh, you know early on sb nation like golf would obviously go dormant or quieter professional golf now and i I would i would become the assistant nfl editor really kind of in this part time of the year and i thought i would do but there's like you know, NFL media on every corner of every, you know, and there was less golf right in the digital space. Golf is obviously slow to change, slow to evolve in all aspects, right? Whether that's media or not. And there was fewer golf coverage on the digital space still and a ton of opportunity. And I had come up in the game. I caddied. I, I understood the game. I'd been a, a avid reader of the weekly golf worlds. Like I would flip cover to cover page to page, Like when you get that print golf world, I love doing that kind of through my teens and twenties, Um golf died, all the, the print. So I was in golf. I understood golf media. Nobody at <laughs> Vox media cared or knew anything about golf. And I just took it on. I was like, I know a little bit, uh, I know more than th- these other people. And that's not to insult them. They just didn't care. And so I just kind of decided I would build a golf corner for Vox. And there was a, we had a great platform to do it. And, yeah, I I didn't think I would always do golf. I'm happy I did. There was greater opportunity when I did it and I got lucky and and I got to stick in the in the industry and in the business. And um I don't have any regrets. I don't like wish uh I would I was writing about the NFL or I, I love, love, love college football. We will still comment on it on Shotgun Start. We're able to go in different directions. I think because the listeners know i've been in the game my whole life really i've been covering the professional game now for you know almost 15 years so like i can talk about that if i want but we can just kind of talk about random stuff too and obviously everyone knows andy andy knows golf he's a he's a savant idiot savant when it comes to golf professional or recreational or architecture so there's that sort of built-in hopefully trust and authority that we can't we know golf that we can also go in a bunch of different silly and stupid directions and come back to it if you want if you're the golf nut and i think hopefully that's why it's why that's worked but um yeah it it, it never set out to be just golf it, and um fried egg is kind of the place where it should be for the golf diehards but those diehards understand you, you have that background and you can go in a different direction every now and then
0: different directions now and then it, it, it does make sense so Cleveland sports. Let's get to it. Jeez, forty oh, minutes gosh. into this thing, I, I mean, you're you're one of the biggest Cleveland sports fans I can think of, Brendan. And obviously, it's <laughs> been your profession in the past to talk about. Uh, uh, let's start with the Browns. We're four and two. Yeah. We got. Uh, we can actually be timely. This is a rare treat for the Bag Drop podcast. Is that this actually sure. releases only a few days <laughs> away? So be as timely as you boys want on this. But we're four and two. We got uh, the Seahawks on Sunday. The Cardinals after that. How much are you willing to pay for your Super Bowl ticket, Brandon?
2: <laughs> um, I not nothing right now. I just not I because I'm I'm a Browns fan is the strong term. It's my rooting interest. Fans like they've burned me for 25 years now, basically since 1999. Like, Fan was kind of beaten out of me. I don't think they deserve me to be a fanatic, right? The, the, the origin of Fan. I'm not, I can't be a fanatic after what's been beaten out of me over the last 25 years and <laughs> our current quarterback and all that. I mean, it's my rooting interest. It's the team I follow. It's the team I care about. Uh, but I'm conditioned to be a pessimist, right? So I would not spend much money or predict a Super Bowl. We have an easy schedule where I think our coaches, I've still, the book is still out. I talked to, talk to a lot of the people on that beat, right? Yeah. They've kind of soured. They are not, you know, these people who are in the building and watching it every week, I'm surprised that they just aren't Stefanski fans at all. Kevin Stefanski fans. I don't, wow. I mean, we win. He won a playoff game. Seems like a really sharp dude uh i don't know i've just yeah given our quarterback situation and Kevin Stefanski, i I'm not really bullish on the uh super bowl tickets but we have a not bad schedule it's not too bad i think uh, as, as when this comes out i assume we will have just gotten walloped by the seahawks on sunday but a uh, schedule's not too bad i think we could make the playoffs but super bowl is a bit of a reach
0: hey uh, Dustin Hopkins' leg would would debate otherwise. Okay, we're going to ride that kicker all the way to his ship. I'm telling you. <laughs> that has been a change-up for
2: us. It's like usually those kicks don't go in, and we lose by two or three or whatever it is, like the Colts game. But he hit, what, 254 and a 58, and we won by one.
0: Yeah, he's like 17 for 18 with, yeah. what, three or four points. 50 plus yarders. I mean, the guy is right. he's on a heater. He's on a heater, which is pretty cool. Right. What, do, what do we say about uh, Deshaun Watson? What what's <laughs> what do we say? I don't know what to what say.
2: What do you want? What, I mean, what do you want me to say here, Matt? He's like, he's like, I, if you decided to no longer be a fan of the Browns because they just signed Deshaun Watson, I am perfectly okay with that and understand that perspective. And I know folks who have done that in you know, public, you know, public figures and otherwise. Um, like, it's also, I think, unfair to crush Browns fans for rooting. They're rooting for the, like, they're rooting. This is the team that they've rooted for their whole lives. And this guy is an interloper. He's come along and he's part of the era. Um, does that mean I'm rooting for Deshaun Watson uh, no, I'm rooting for the Browns and I think it's kind of unfair to rip on the fans, rip on the organization, crush the organization, crush the people responsible. Um, I think it's a little sort of unfair. Maybe this is a cop, just like, it's honestly, the same with Steelers, like when they had Big Ben and, and every team that you do this, what about? Every team at some point has to t- has to have some sort of cognitive dissonance or deal with a difficult situation and you just say, I'm not a fan of this anymore. I can't abide this. But um, I think it's unfair to rip on the fans like they had no part in this and this is their team and he's just an interloper. And quite honestly, if you thought he was going to be good for the Browns, if you thought this was going to go any other way, then you're not actually a Browns fan or haven't been following this for the last 20 years because of course they were going to spend $230 million on him and he was not going to be very good at football anymore because that's the way it goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I've kind of been that ground where I didn't like the signing for both football reasons as well as just moral ethical reasons, but also it was the most brown sure. signing ever. It's completely consistent with the entire organization. It's like, who else <laughs> would do this? And probably it would be absolutely fitting if this also was a the year they won a Super Bowl with a guy running the helm that like the fan base doesn't want to be behind to begin with. It'd be like, that would just be the most brown thing when 20 years from now we're celebrating, yeah, we won that Super Bowl in 2023, 24. But we don't want to talk about the quarterback that led us to it, right? It's just like we can't fully celebrate it. I think it's just lining I up for you. Celebrate in like, your
0: Yeah, I celebrate privately in your own space, but you can't be out on the streets cheering over you. Brendan, I gotta yeah, add was, I, I gotta
1: ask about the Browns. I wanna follow up on like I'm like you. I'm not a f I I can can't call myself a fan anymore because I can't be a fanatic. i been being out. Was there a moment that happened to you or was it just punch after punch after punch Um, because for me it was when they went away and then what the nfl did they crippled them when they came back and it was like ah, i just like i kind of checked out then that's when i checked out uh, in terms of fanatic um fandom but for you when was that moment
2: that's a good that's a good question i think yeah it was just there were too many sort of irrelevant seasons, right? Like this doesn't matter after like September 15th or September 3rd, like these games do not matter. We are not playing for anything. And often sometimes that was August, like we're not even, ch- so it's like, why would I invest the amount of time and effort into knowing like the the, the depth chart in August or really, really getting my my interest and care. And the, like, of course I follow it. I'm aware and I know what's going on, but it was pretty early sort of in the mid, uh, mid-2000s, mid probably, probably by like 2007. Say. But yeah, when they came back, of course, I mean, the Browns, and I'll add the Texans, they got kind of screwed, like you said, by the crippling, the way they changed. Like the Jags and Panthers were like too good too soon in that mid-90s expansion era. And then when they did the second round for this expansion, when we got the Browns back, it was like, you guys are going to be awful forever because we're not letting the Jags and Panthers thing happen again, where they take too many good play. Like we re- and Texans the same way. Like who knows? David Carr is it David? Yeah, David Carr, not Derek and and Tim Couch probably have like a good case against the, like they who knows what their careers could have been getting dropped into that sort of expansion wasteland, and and it feels like we've never really been able to get a foothold since.
0: My my buddy tells that the exact same way what he way he, he's a big dog guy. He's got like four or five dogs, but he always says, It's like if someone took away your puppy, right? They took it away, and then years later they bring it back, you get your puppy back, and you're so excited <laughs> to see your puppy. And your puppy has three legs. <laughs> and they're yeah. and they're expecting you and your puppy to run around the block again and be happy. And you're just like, What is this? What do, what do I have this now? I gotta take care, you know. It, it is like it is, I
2: mean. There's a bunch of like idiots in the fan base. Clearly, like uh, every fan every- base has idiots. It is a like I I I admire the devotion and the breadth of the fan base. It, given what's happened the last twenty five years, like I, it is a uh, sort of an incredible following and an incredible uh, devotion. I they just I guess they filled half of indianapolis's stadium last week it sounds like the whole upper deck was browns fans barking as i saw some clips on social media they were like you know neutral observer so it is an incredible incredible fan base that uh the team probably doesn't deserve the franchise and ownership do not deserve it and um i don't know if anything that good ever did happen it's kind of a, it's a sleeping giant as they always
0: say that's uh let's jump to well give us a quick comment on on the tribe what what did the, and I shouldn't even say the guards, sorry. It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's habit. I apologize to anyone that was yeah, yeah the, the Guardians sure. were 76 and 86 this year. A little uninspiring. What do they got to do in this off season for us, them to have a team? Any, any thoughts?
2: No, I don't have any thoughts. They're they're They're, I mean, they need to spend more money. We all know this has been sort of the, the, the paradox with the Dolan family, Um it's incredible that the 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 front office that they have, that they've done what they've done with the payroll they have and over the last ten years. It's sort of we are lucky to have at least some postseason runs. Um and yeah, it's the same old deal. Just hope the young talent materializes and then we lose them in a couple of years when the contract comes due and the you know, their their terms are up. So yeah, it's 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 just I, I don't know, it's it's hard. To be a Guardians fan, I suppose, when you know the team, while well-run at a front office level, is never going to really spend to compete at the highest level. And maybe that, you know, sometimes that's the way the Rangers obviously did that. It worked for them. Sometimes it it works better when you have the lean and mean team. So.
0: All right, that's it's rounded out on Cleveland sports in a more positive note. Uh, where where was Brandon Porreth on 2016 in June uh, when we took our, our first our city gets a title? Uh, the man from Akron, you're welcome. We we gifted that to all of Northeast <laughs> Ohio. If people don't realize this about Northeast Ohio. There are weird rivalries within our little section of the world, even though we're all sure. for the same teams. It's absurd, and I want to put an end to it. I think I moved back. I Lebron came home to to win a title. I came back to put an end to that bullshit we got to stick together <laughs> northeast ohio okay we got to we got to uh, support each other but anyways uh the the the, with the title i mean that that i remember calling kevin here i think we were both in tears like how about you how was that experience for you
2: uh i was at oakmont for dustin johnson's us open win uh that was game 7 uh they had it on the giant score giant like media center television big jumbotron in the media center And I am a Cleveland sports fan my whole life. I couldn't watch it. I had Alan Shipnuck, Bay Area, just cheering You know, the Warriors had already had their title the year before. and, And Shipnuck is cheering behind me. And I had to leave. I couldn't watch it. I just, I'm this Irish, like Catholic nervous wreck. Like I just, I couldn't watch. A lot of the same happens with some of these Guardians games. I just like go for a walk outside when like, you know, we're pitching and, you know. So I I had to leave. It was just right in my face. I was trying to type, write a story about DJ's win, and it's like this giant jumbotron in my face, like 20 yards from me. So I left. I was like, I can't watch this. The story will get done when it gets done. And I just like, I like refreshed my phone and I pulled over. I was just like refreshing my phone. Like I did not see the block live. I did not see Kyrie's three live. Uh, I'm happier for it. I'm happy to admit that. And I was just refreshing my phone, like play by play. And then they won and I like pulled over and I was in tears. I like pulled over at some like Pennsylvania, like turnpike or road near Oakmont. And I was just like in tears myself. I went to like, I was by myself. I was on the road for work. I went to like a gas station and got some like horrible, like, 24 ounce like Bud Light Lime Arita or some bullshit like that and like went to my hotel room and had like two of those while I wrote a Dustin Johnson story and also tried to like consume every little bit of celebration content because this is my whole life that actually happened I wish I was in Cleveland like I was just it was kind of a crazy obviously I'll remember I'll always remember where I was it was just sort of this crazy work Real life balance, wanting to celebrate, wanting to get some work done, not too nervous to watch deal, but that's where I was.
1: I remember I cried. I mean, I cried a lot. I remember jumping during the block and screaming, and like, you know, it's late at night, and like my dog was passed out and she scared her to death. Um, <laughs> I like, just went nuts. But I have a, I have a, uh, how to say this? A a counter-reaction to the Cavs title I'm going to throw at you. You know, we're all lifelong Cleveland fans. Yeah, Best event in our life, Cavs winning title, right? Like, I wouldn't trade it for, for the world. But I think we lost our identity. We were the we were the lovable losers, right? Like we were the that had to heartbreak always. I would argue much more than like the Cubs are the Cubs, but Chicago in general have a lot of titles. They had the Bulls, right? Like yeah. Cubs fans want to play the crying game and I get it with the Cubs, but it's like you've won titles across every other sport in your life. But we lost our identity when the Cubs won that title. I, I swear to it, like we're, we are currently a no. <laughs> Thankfully, Kevin,
0: city. I'm I'm fine with it. I don't want to go back to that. <laughs> Screw that. That sucked. That was lovable losers. I don't want to be loved. I want to win. I'm just saying we have no identity I... now as a sports town.
2: We got brought back down to earth pretty quickly with the World Series. Like five months later, with our own three-one lead over the lovable, the actual cursed Cubs. Uh, we got brought back. I mean, we've taken our punches since then, right? LeBron left again, and the Browns are the Browns, and. And you know the the guards had a three one lead in the World Series. I know it has it has changed our identity a little bit, but God, it's just like the ultimate moment that we will all savor and
0: cherish. Spe- speaking of curses, our our big Cavs moment on this podcast, Brendan, was we had Dylan Windler on earlier in the year. Who's oh. a big golf guy, a huge guy. Yeah. Oh, cool! And he was a stud at Belmont. Remember, he set yep. all those records. But uh the week the week we dropped our podcast with Dylan Windler of the Cleveland Cavaliers, he gets cut. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> I that, yeah, yeah. But he hey he just got picked up with with the Knicks. Good. So he, he's he's doing well. Good. Dylan's a good dude. Good. Um hey Brandon, anyways, we're we're rounding out. Uh this is awesome, man. It was such a, a treat having you on and, and being able to uh talk some Cleveland sports, but also hear about you know, all the things at the Friday. I think your story about Dustin Johnson just kind of reminded me of, of uh, the sense I have when I'm consuming your guys' content, reading newsletters, you know, seeing everything that's going on, like the amount of work that you guys are, are putting out there on a small team. And I just wanted to, to draw attention to that. And I think that's what people lose sight of. It's like, oh, they're going to the masters. All these guys, like, <laughs> I, am, I think they're working 20 hours if not more like it's 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 a lot of stuff you guys are putting out there and and uh just want to commend you for it because i know it doesn't come without a little bit of sacrifice and and putting in that uh that effort so you know good on you guys for for keeping that grind going
2: yeah appreciate it it is a grind it's it's sometimes you can't appreciate or watch golf the same way you used to as like a consumer um it's not the greatest money in the world but god uh we are lucky and, and privileged that people care and listen and read and and we get to do it so
0: and i know you're you're also full-time dad so halloween's this weekend what what's the costume situation there you and i know you and andy love costumes what you got them all lined up for the kiddos you know what they're going
2: oh yeah they're all different like different whatever screen time stuff Fortnite is one and elsa is another and i think one wanted to be basic like a witch uh, So, yeah, we're getting that all squared away. I got to get my own. So probably do a Michael Block type interpretation, I would think, is where I'm going to go. But TBD, TBD, we'll have that episode on Shotgun Start on Sunday.
0: Is that Sunday? Is that when you guys are doing yeah. The costume? Uh, yeah. Um, so Another good. example,
2: how we can just be goofy and, you know, come back to hardcore golf stuff and then also do goofy stuff like that. People love that. We'll have fun with that on Sunday night.
0: And, and let me just say, I I always enjoy a good... Andy Johnson rant. Uh, but when he fires you up and your voice starts raising, that is my favorite, man. It is instant hilarity. I don't know why. Something about when you get fired up. So don't 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 shy away from it, my friend. I know you're again, I, I called you the pro journalist, but let it let rip sometimes because yeah. you get on when you get going, it's it's just hilarious. We want to be
2: genuine about it. This isn't forced. It's not, you know, first take theatrics, but we want to be genuine about it. But when we do get worked up, we are passionate about some of this stuff.
0: Professor, anything else for Brendan here?
1: No, I was just saying, as soon as the word ridiculous comes out of Brendan's mouth on the Shotgun Star, it's like,
0: <laughs> all right, crank it up a few volume notches.
1: like, God. we're getting a good, selective, uh, uh, informed, logical rant, and oh, no, I look I forward that. to that. No, but the, this <laughs> echo Matt's thing too, like, what you and Andy do, Shotgun Star, three episodes a week, is incredibly impressive, and um, I think it just speaks to not only your work ethic and what you all are doing for the, the industry in golf, but also just how smart you all are, and uh how deep i appreciate how deep you think you guys think about ideas and you know it's a there's a comedy to your podcast but there's also as any good comedy there's a seriousness to it and uh, we appreciate that and just keep doing what you're doing because i know we listen and our our new club um society you know you're they're they're your biggest fans
2: well, we are fortunate for you guys fortunate you guys and new club Kind of have that that kind of audience and those people who who give any amount of time, even if it's not three times a week, but any amount of time. It's, it's really really appreciated.
0: Well, thank you, sir. Enjoy uh, your your weekend. Enjoy the, the Halloween and, and uh, go Browns. Go Cavs. <laughs> go Browns. Professor, what a what a treat that guy. <laughs> Brandon Porath, that, that was a nice, nice booking. I've long wanted to, to have a chat with Brandon for the show and uh, fully delivered, didn't he?
1: Uh, it just always feels good to be around Northeast Ohio people. I, I do. <laughs> I would have no desire to go back to the winters, but I do miss, I miss the people. I mean, Georgia people are great, Athens is great, but um, there's something about when you're back with your ilk that you grew up with that just feels good.
0: Yeah, I I should have called both you guys out there. Yeah. We, we were all waxing poetically about our our uh, homeland. I'm the only one that returned, man. You guys, you know, you abandoned us for warmer climates. That's, uh, that's I, the world. That's that's no, how no, it usually no, operates. No
1: regrets. No regrets on my
0: part. Yeah, you know what I uh uh respect, I think a lot of a lot of comments from from Brendan made me reflect on just some of the choices that he's made professionally that and he's probably made professionally is that like sellouts a tough word because it, like we're in a capitalist society you have to make money you have to you know employ people you have to to, to do the things you do and but like you could just tell there is something uh more of a guiding light there for brendan that you know if he can't express his thoughts and and his care of, of things in the manner that in which he he wants to um, authentically you know then he, he's not going to do it and I, I thought that was a really uh, uh, good uh, you know I always try to take something from people when we have them on the show and, and we wouldn't be asking him on the show if we didn't admire him in some way but just just that reflecting on his career and some of the choices he made um, not the easy choice but like the the one that probably is more fulfilling at the end of the day i thought that was a good my, that was one of my takeaways what'd you take away from from our chat
1: yeah i guess the same sort of thing we got a loud part rolling by right now so i'm sure the audience is loving that you no know, the same sort of takeaway like and let's give you know a shout both the uh, the friday group and i think that we can say it's about the no laying up group on on this too um and i, I bring them both up because they're you know, I consider them at least golf friends, if not true friends, just knowing them personally, um, both groups of people. Um, I'm sure they've had opportunities to sell out, right, to get acquired by a bigger group or whatever. I would, I would expect behind the scenes they've had offers. And the fact that, you know, the fried egg and the, as well, no, I have to say committed to their group and just continue to put out the content they want to put out um, that they feel is valuable for the golf world. That takes conviction. Um and yeah, just I'm happy they've done that. I'm happy. I'm happy Brendan and Andy and that group have stayed small, stayed just doing the work they do because it gives me something to read. Uh, there's a selfish aspect to that for sure on my part that I want to keep reading what they put out and you know what No Lane up puts out. I don't want them to get acquired by ESPN and then be beholden to shareholders and boards and put out what gives clicks because you know then we have few and far between great content.
0: All right, all right, and man, I would have liked to get more basketball out of Brandon because I know he's a, he. He played basketball. Uh, the Cavs. I got a lot of thoughts on the Cavs. I might just, you know, doesn't even need to be recorded. I might just say, hey, Brandon, you might be in my my basketball uh, NBA therapist for a bit, and then we could talk through because Bickerstaff isn't the guy for the Cavs, Kevin. I don't feel good about him. Uh, I do feel good about our, our four. You know, the, the, the four of the land is the new billboard with Mitchell, Garland, Mobley, and, and Allen. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I want to see them rise again to 2016 levels. Anyways, nor here, nor there. But um, thanks for for ch- coming from all the way from the conference center. This is, your again, your dedication to this podcast, the dedication to New Club, Kevin. It's it's truly inspirational. Uh, get back to your recruitment. Who, who, who's, like, in the math ed space? You know, you're representing Georgia. I see the bulldog T-shirt. Who's like the rival that that these students are, are, are these grad students are going to look at? And and you're like, all right, I gotta, I gotta take away from that that university. Is there one that in the math Ed space you're pretty competitive
1: with? Um, yeah. So the, the big players, Michigan State, they have more money than anybody else. They created a curric, uh, math curriculum back in the '80s, and they just have they pay like ten grand more to their grad students than any other program is going to do. So it's just on a money front. And it's also a quality program. They're, they're a competitor. Uh, Michigan, um, you know, they're they they they're not stealing signs. Their, their math group aren't coming down here and stealing signs like their football program is. But, but they have a high-quality program. Virginia Tech, Maryland, Arizona State, San Diego State, um, Oklahoma State, Texas State. Those are just the Wisconsin-Madison was at the time. They're a small program now. Those are some of the, the major players in the math ed field we got to compete against.
0: Um, yeah, it's fun.
1: There's a well, little if you bit want of sport, a sport deal, aspect.
0: Throw, throw in a new club membership for uh, for them, you know, and and sweeten the deal. You know, community, healthier, happier golf. Get, get them. Get, throw in some perks. I, I'll help you out here. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> all right well thanks everybody for listening uh kevin thanks as always looking forward to chatting with everybody on uh next week we got uh really a special guest uh chef david posey of our uh atlanta or chicago membership is coming on the show and ironically brendan talked about the bear uh little surprise for you about that if you're a fan of the bear uh listen in next week with david posey because he gives us some behind the scenes action from that show filmed in chicago um Kevin. Have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you guys soon.